Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Jump into what we're talking about today. We are in a series called Free Indeed, and this series is structured to help all of us uh, experience freedom from that one area of life that just seems to hold on to it. It's that one area of life that every year, you know what it is, because every year it winds up on your, your resolutions list in January. You write it down, man, I wish I didn't, or I wish I could, or I wish I could lose, or whatever it is. You want to break some kind of cycle or pattern in your life, and it's that one thing that's holding on, and this series is to help you to do that. So let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right into God's Word. This is from John 8, and it's our theme verse for the whole series, and it says, to the Jews who had believed him, in other words, these are Christ followers, all right? It's us. We're followers of Jesus, and he said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. In other words, you believe, and now you're following my pattern. You're becoming more like me. That's who he's talking about. He says, but then something happens, because he says, if you're you're doing that, you're really my disciples, then. He says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, because salvation isn't the end, it's just the beginning. Once you become a Christ follower, and you follow Jesus doing things that he did, becoming more like him, there's a process that you and I have to go through. And it's a process, Jesus says, of learning truth. Why do we need to learn truth? Well, Because there's some lies that we've believed. There's some lies and some bad thinking in our lives that we've just inherited, that we come into the relationship with. And Jesus is like, we need to shine a light of truth into those dark places in your light. And so there's a process you go through of learning truth. And as you learn those truths, that truth, Jesus said, sets you free. But the people answered him, the disciples, the Christ followers, which is, this is you, said back to Jesus, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And that's like saying, I've been, I've been a Christian for a long time. What do you mean I got, I got issues or that I'm, in, I'm a slave? How can you say that about me? Listen, can I help you with something? You can never be free indeed until you, ident- or until you believe that you've got something from which you need to be freed. That you just can't. Unless you can identify, man, I got some issues in my life. I got something I need to be freed from. You're never going to be freed from it. I think it's possible for you to be a Christ follower and still be in bondage. Oh, God loves you. That's not the thing. But God wants to help you be set free from that. And so Jesus said, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave. And we all do that. We all sin, especially in that one area, that one thing that holds on to you. When you sin, that thing takes mastery over you. It begins to control you and your life. It tells you what to do because you've given in to it yet again. And all of you in this room should know what that sin is in your life. What that thing is that you say, well, I wish I didn't do this, but I do it anyway. Or I don't want to do that, but I wind up doing it. Like, I mean, you know, I I wish I could. We all have it. And your life, you would say, if I didn't have this in my life, my life would be better. Whether that's a, a habit that you have, like a cycle you need to break, or maybe it's an addiction that you have that you're like, man, I need to get rid of this addiction. Or maybe it's just a tendency you have to, to act or, or a certain way or a temperament you would identify and say, man, you know, I'm just angry all the time about everything and I just need to get free from this thing. And as much as you want to be free, just know that God wants you free from that as well. Amen. So Jesus continues and says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so what he's saying is, is that a slave doesn't get the best that God has to offer. And so as long as you have that thing in your life, you're never going to get God's best. You're not going to have all of his best. He says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is the journey that God wants you to go on. And hi, I'm Aaron. I'm your tour guide. I'm going to take you on that journey that God wants you to see. So you can see where your life can be different than the one that you currently have. And we talked about in this series so far... Uh, the, the very first steps towards your finding freedom, and this is actually not a message that I preached in this series. I preached it just a few months ago in a series called First. But the first steps towards freedom is understanding that you are not an earthly being having a spiritual experience on Sunday. You need to understand that truth. You are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. And by, by changing that shift in perspective, you understand yourself a little better. 
Because if you are a spiritual being, then you need to understand the second you say yes to Jesus, your spirit becomes sanctified, set right with God. And your spirit now wants to do what God wants you to do. It wants to do his ways. Like, yeah, God, that's it. I want to go that way. But your flesh, that's your mind, will, and emotions, wants to do something completely contrary to that. That's what the Bible says. There is a war that is raging within you, and it's between your flesh and your spirit. They want to do things that are different. So the way you win that, we talked about, was, was that you, you weaken the flesh and you strengthen the spirit. How do you do that? Prayer and fasting weakens, or fasting weakens the flesh. Praying builds up the spirit. That's how you do it. That's how you win that. So you need to know that about yourself. And then last week, we talked about the next way to, to uh, find freedom is understanding that you have an enemy. So not only is there a war raging within you, but there's a war raging around you. You have an enemy that hates you, and he wants to destroy you. In fact, his job description is to kill, steal, and destroy. Those three things, that's all he does over and over again in your life. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants to destroy you. And you need to know that. You need to come to grips with that, that there's an enemy. And once you come to grips with that, you need to know his only weapon is lies. That's what he uses against you. It's his only weapon. He steps into your life, and he lies to you. And when you believe those lies, you come underneath his, his influence. That's why we need God's truth. We need to learn God's truth about our lives. That's why it's important that we get in his Bible, in his words, so that we understand. Here's what God's truth is so we can replace the lies with his truth. We start getting free. And this week, today, I want to I feed off a verse that we looked at last week. We didn't go too much into it, but this verse, I believe, helps us explain why we struggle with the same thing year after year after year. It's Ephesians 4, and it says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, if I can just break it down to a generality here, we all go through some stuff. And when you go through that stuff, you need to realize that on the other side of what you're going through is a choice. You get to choose how you respond. He says, be angry and don't sin. Choose differently. You, you can be angry, just don't, don't go sinning. Then he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. He's basically saying, in this situation, resolve it. Don't let it hang out there. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist, because if you do, there's going to be consequences. And that consequence is, if you leave it out, is that it gives the devil a a foothold in your life. Listen, God wants you set free, and he wants to change your life. But we keep doing things that keeps on opening doors and opening windows into our lives and gives the devil a foothold. Do you all know what that means? I had a salesman come to my door once. Listen to my notes. I'm just going to tell you. I feel like I should tell you. I had a salesman come to my, note, my door, and he was trying to sell me some stuff. And I told him no probably three or four times. I had the door open. And then I went to close that door. He put his foot in the door so that I could not close it on him. I looked down at his foot, and I said, excuse me? <clears throat> And he moved his foot and I shut the door and we were, conversation was over. That's what happens when you leave, when you ignore the sin and the issues in your life. You give the devil a foothold in your door. He's got one foot in. That door can't close. God wants you free from that. The truth is, is that you and I are bought with a price. We belong to God. We live in his kingdom. That We, we belong to him. But when we do things that are contrary to God's best for our lives... We open doors, we open windows, and give the devil a foothold. And what he does as a result of that is he takes things from our lives that don't belong to him. Remember, his first job, the first thing on his job description, steal. That's right. That's what he does. He steals from you. And God wants you to have those things back. And some of you want those things back. Others of you, I'm sad to say, you're here today and you've lost hope that you can ever have those things back. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible wants to encourage you that he who has been stealing must steal no longer. The enemy takes things from you, and he does it through these opportunities that you give him. So I'm going to oversimplify it for you. Don't give him the opportunity anymore. Just don't let him. This concept of the devil stealing from you is all throughout Scripture. And the enemy has no right, but we open ourselves up to it. Look at this biblical biblical context for how a thief behaves. This is from Joel 2. It says, they rush upon the city. They run along the walls. They climb into the houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. It's open opportunities. That's how the thief gets in. Let me show it to you again because we all do things that we open the door to the enemy. This is Paul talking about forgiveness because unforgiveness, if it remains in your life, is one of those open doors. It's one of those open windows that the thief gets in. He says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. 
And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Do you know what I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you today? There's some of you in this room, you're not aware of his schemes. You don't know how he operates. You didn't even know that he was in operation. And that's why he keeps stealing from your life. Because you didn't realize you went to bed and you left the windows and the doors open. And the thief came in and he robbed you. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to expose the devil's schemes. And I'm going to help you figure out how the thief keeps, keeps on getting inside your house. Check out the same verse in the message paraphrase. It says this. So if you forgive him, I forgive him. Don't think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges. The fact is that I'm joining in with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. Listen, this stuff is all through the Bible. We can do things that open us up to an attack, and he'll take that opportunity to rob from you every single time. So the question is that I know you're already asking, what are those doors? How is he getting into our lives? Well, the good news is the devil's not very creative. He does the same things over and over again. And when you look in the Bible from, from, from Genesis to Maps, you'll see that the devil does Genesis to Maps. That's a funny joke right there. That's the beginning of your Bible to the end of it. I guess it's not funny if you have to explain it. Anyway, <laughs> from the beginning of your Bible to the end of it, you'll see the devil does the same three things all over, all through it. That's it. There's these three big doors that he gets through. So let's check out what they are. They're listed plainly for us in 1 John. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, here we go, the lust of the flesh, number one, door number one, the lust of the eyes, door number two, and the pride of life, that is door number three, come not from the Father, but from the world. In other words, Satan. It's his ways, the world. The world and its desires pass away. And we're not just talking about a physical death. The thing is, if you keep doing the things the way the world does them, what's going to happen is, is death is going to enter into your life. The enemy is going to steal, kill, and destroy whatever he can. You're going to get tired of hearing me say that today, but I'm trying to get you to understand it. He's going to take everything he can. Your, he'll, take, he'll take life from your marriage. He'll take life from your relationships. He'll take life from every area of your life. But if you shut the doors, whoever does the will of God lives forever. In other words, doing things God's way. If you'll do it his way, he'll close those doors. So that's the journey that I want to take you on today. I want to expose the places that the devil is getting into your life and robbing you, all right? And it's always the same categories. Look at them again. The lust of the flesh. What is that? Well, that's our passions, all right? This is our passions. It's an appetite. It's that thing that says, I want this and I want it. I got to have it. My body wants it. It, oftentimes your desire, this, this passion is connected to, uh, to your feelings. Like, I feel like this today. I feel like that. I feel like I'd have this. I, it's all feelings. And I've, I've been saying this for weeks, a long time, telling you that, that you can't trust your feelings. You know why? Because they'll lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. They say, well, I, I want this. I want, people want to live contrary to God's word and say, yeah, but this is how I feel. I, I, it feels good. It feels good, so it can't be bad. You know, this is, this is just how I feel. This is what I want. But our feelings will lie to us. We can't live according to our feelings. We have to take our passions, nail them to the cross of Christ, and subject ourselves to God's word in his ways. That's how we find life. That's the only way that we find life, no matter how we feel, because your feelings will lead to death. You know, if I followed my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor. Most of y'all wouldn't be here this morning because you felt tired, didn't want to get up and go. I'm tired. I've got so much to do. I feel overwhelmed. I've, I've, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Some, come on, somebody, be real with me right here, all right? It's okay if we have this conversation. I know who you are. I'm tired, too. I've just had lots of coffee. I ain't listening to myself. Just keep fueling it. Woo! Good. It's the spirit of hedonism that says if it feels good, do it. And it's a demonic spirit that influences It tells you, you don't have to do what God says. And every time I follow my feelings, it turns out bad. And I know for you it does too, truly. And there's this open door in the area of our appetites. And I'll tell you, usually that in this area, the devil tries to, to open that door through your sexuality. 
He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to get you addicted to porn. He wants to do anything he can to get you to indulge in an appetite that is outside of God's standards for your life. So he can do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. So the second one, the second one is the lust of the eyes. It's our possessions. It's I want, right? You're like, don't care how I want it now. That's a Willy Wonka reference. You're welcome. Baruch Assault. <laughs> we want it now. We want all this stuff, and we don't want to wait. That's why we value debt so much in our lives, because, man, I, can, I don't have to work for it. I can have it now. Somebody else, I mean, I can pay for it later. Oh, give it to me. I'll take it. I want it now. We keep buying stuff to satisfy our greed, but it'll never be satisfied. You have this appetite to get more and more stuff, believing that it will make you happy, and yet I'm telling you, the only thing that will satisfy you is a relationship with God. That's it. There is nothing else that will satisfy you, but greed draws you. I want it. I got to have it. The third, the third temptation is the pride of life. This is about our position. The issue here is we think too much of ourselves. We want to escalate our, our accomplishments and elevate them. And honestly, you know, for this issue in particular, social media has not helped it. Because we've got our own platform that we step on. And we want everybody to look at us. And we want everybody to like us and heart us and comment us. We post stuff up, and within seconds of posting, we pull back out and we look just for validation. We're looking for somebody to tell us how great we are by their likes and their loves. We want them to tell us. Every 15 seconds, did I get another one? Did I get another one? We find value in that. We've escalated and elevated ourselves. The problem with pride is pride will bring you way low. It'll bring you low. Because the Bible says that God opposes the proud. You don't want that. But he gives grace to the humble. That you do want. I promise you that. However you say these things, whether it's passions, possessions, or position, or sex, or salary, and status, or girl's gold in the glory, or if you say the feel, the have, and the be, or one pastor calls it the PMS, power, money, and sex, I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean that, though. <laughs> Something different. The devil will try to break into your life through these doors and windows, all through Scripture. That's what he's going to do. And I'm going to show it to you. I want you to see the pattern of this. And we'll go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. You're going to see this, all right? This is where he tries to get into your life. Genesis 3, it says the story of Adam and Eve. It says when the woman, that's Eve, saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, ate it, and also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. So the first one, the passions. It was good for food. She said, I want that. I'm hungry. I'd like to have you in my belly. I want that right now. So she took it and she ate it. She was tempted through her appetite. Then it says, pleasing to the eye. This is about possession. She had to have it. She saw it. It looked good. That's how, that's how a desire starts, you guys. You know that? It's when you see something. Let me prove it to you. How many of you are married or dating right now? Lift your hands up. Come on, let me see them. High up, high up. Married or dating? Yeah, put your hands down. Ladies, do you know how that started? He saw something he liked, and he pursued it. They put a ring on it, too. I'm just telling you, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. He saw something. <laughs> Our passion for possession. Some of you girls are like, mm-hmm, you know it. That's right. <laughs> I'm so sorry if it's your first time here. I am so goofy and hopped up on caffeine. I can't even help it. <laughs> I love Jesus, I promise you. All right, stay with me here. Okay. <laughs> she saw something. It took a hold of her. She had to have it. <laughs> Third one is desirable for gaining wisdom. This is, that, this is that position. Satan said, listen, if you eat this, you'll be just like God. You'll be taken from where you're at, and you'll be elevated to his level. You'll be just like him. That's that pride. That pride of position, like, man, I, I want to be there. Now, just to show it to you that it's all throughout your Bible, let me fast forward you to the New Testament. Let me take you to Jesus. Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist, and the Spirit led him out into the wilderness where he's going to go and he's going to pray and fast for 40 days. 
Some of you are like, dear God, thank you for 21 days and only 21 days. We're so happy with that. If you're new with us, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January and August. Jesus is out there for 40 days, hasn't had a bite to eat, and the tempter shows up to him and says, hey, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Basically, he says, hey, Jesus, you see these stones? Make it into a Krispy Kreme donut. Go ahead. You know you want it. Then he says to him, he says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Hey, Jesus, just go ahead and show off. You know when you jump, the angels are going to catch you. And when they catch you, they're going to bring you down, and you're just going to light down to the ground, and everybody's going to be like, dang, Jesus, you're the man. Woo! It's a temptation of pride and position. He wanted to see if Jesus would do it. He was tempted through pride. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So you see all this stuff? I'll give it to you. You can have it. Whatever. He was trying to appeal to the greed that was within him, but he found none in Jesus. So the first one, turn stones into bread. That was passions. He said, you know you're hungry, and God wants you happy. Can I help you understand something? This whole God wants you happy thing is bad theology. Throw it out. God don't want you happy. God wants you holy. Oh, see, some of you like that, some of you don't. You don't understand. He's not after your happiness. He's after your holiness. So what you think will make you happy, that's flighty. It's all over the place. It's your feelings, and you can't trust your feelings because what you think will make you happy will actually destroy you. What you need is, is, is God's word because in it, it tells you plainly what will lead to happiness. It tells you plainly what's best for you. Then the throw yourself down thing, that's all about position. Just show off, Jesus. That's his pride. And all this I will give to you, that's possession. Everything you want and more is all yours if. It's always in three areas. These same three areas. The devil doesn't have any new tricks, which makes my job really easy. It makes it very easy for me to help you identify them. He's coming through one of those three doors. And one more place in the Old Testament, just in case you need another convincer. The children of Israel were told, hey, have no other gods before me. This is God talking, saying, I'm jealous. I'm a jealous God. Just me. You get to serve and worship just me. No other gods. And yet they went out, and they were tempted to worship and follow three different gods. Here they are. These are lowercase g, by the way. They're not the god of the universe. The god of Asherah. This is the passions. This is the god of fertility and lust. And and in order to fulfill worship to the god of Asherah, you had to go to their temples and, and, and basically have sex with prostitutes. That, that's what you did. The, you fulfilled worship through temple prostitution. And then they'd put up these Asherah poles. They'd erect them all over the place, which those poles mean exactly what you think it means, and I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's not my fault. I'm just telling you about it. <laughs> and then there was the God of Mammon. This is your possessions. This, the God of Mammon was all about your stuff, about gaining and amassing wealth. That's what he represented. And Jesus even identified this one. This is the tough one. He says, because you can't even serve God and mammon. You can't do it. It's not possible for you to give the number one spot in your heart to God and your stuff. You just can't. It's not possible. God has to be first or he's nothing at all in your life. That's just the way it works. The third one was the God of Baal. This is about position. The God of Baal was all about power and human attainment. They only worship three all throughout the Bible. Again, the devil's not creative. It was just those three that they were tempted to. Over and over again, this is what he does. And these are the doors that he uses to get into your life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's it. So if we know them, if we know the doors that he's coming through, all we have to do is figure out how to shut them. So you're like, Aaron, how do we do that? Well, let me be your security officer for just a moment. Let's just assume that someone just broke into your house and robbed you, and I'm going to walk through, and I'm going to tell you all the places he just got in, which we already did, and now I'm going to tell you how to shut him and keep him closed and secure, all right? You ready to go on that journey? Here we go. It's very simple. What you need to do is just shut the door, and this is how you do it. Door number one, here's how you shut the door to the lust of the flesh. It is through integrity. If you're taking notes, write it down. It's integrity. If you're not taking notes, write it down. It's integrity. Integrity doesn't mean clean or holy 
or perfect. That's not what the word means. Integrity actually comes from a root word called, it's integer, all right? That's a math terminology meaning one or whole. That's exactly what it is. That's why having integrity isn't about being perfect. It's about being honest. Let me explain that statement. See, a person with integrity is someone who's decided that they aren't going to live two different lives. They're not fractured in their, in their life. There's someone who's decided I'm not going to be one way at work, one way at home, and one way at church, and one way with my friends. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take off the mask, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite anymore. I'm going to come to grips with the fact that I've got issues, and I'm going to be honest with some people about it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to be a whole person who's not perfect, but I won't be fractured anymore. That's integrity. That's why you don't have to be perfect to have integrity. You just need to be honest. You need to open up with somebody about it. You don't have to be perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. In fact, in the Bible, it tells you God doesn't expect that. He says, when you sin, that's not if you sin. God expects you. He knows you're going to. He, He knows it all. When you sin, confess your sins to him, and God who is faithful will forgive you. It's about being honest with him. You say, Aaron, I've done that. I've already done talk to God about this sin in this area of my life, but it's still hanging on. That's because you didn't keep reading. He says, not just be honest with him. He said, be honest with other people. Because let me tell you, that area in your life is never going to let go until you have a conversation with someone and tell them that you've got a problem. It's just not going to let go. That's God's plan for it. Don't be mad at me. I know confession to other people is uncomfortable. I get it. I have to do it too. But God said, listen, in James 5, 16, pray for one another. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so you can be healed. See, this is God's plan for your freedom. You not only have to confess to him, but you need to confess to someone else. And if you're struggling in any area and you've decided to do it by yourself, good luck. It's just not going to work. That's why grow, grow groups that we do around here are so important. See, it's not about the curriculum, although I know you guys like the curriculum and the stuff that you study in your grow groups, the small groups that we do as a church. I I know you like all that, but the most important thing is the relationships that you gain when you go through those groups, because the people that you connect with are the people that are going to stand with you. They're the people that are going to pray for you, that are going to know you, that you get to be honest with them, and they get to see you. There's somebody you can take the mask off with and say, look, I'm struggling in this area, and I need you to help. I need you to help me pick up the pieces. Pray for me that God would heal me because it isn't about what you do in those groups. It's about who you know. It's the truth. It's all about being honest. And and when you decide to be honest, watch what happens. Now then, my sons, this is Solomon talking to a close-knit group of people. He has relationship with them, just like your girl group. He says, listen to me. And he's warning them about adultery. He says, do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. That's the adulterous woman. Do not go near the, everybody with me? door. Yeah, it's a door. Don't go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. What's he saying? Hey, listen, if you fall into the lie of lust, you're going to lose everything you had. You're going to watch somebody else enjoy it. You're going to lose your family, and some other man's going to enjoy it. Gentlemen, are you listening to me? You can lose everything, everything if you fall into this lie of lust. Whatever you have will be ripped from you. So what do we need? We need to be honest with somebody. That's how you expose this in your life. That's how you close the door. You become a person of integrity. Somebody says, I'm not perfect, but I'm not fractured anymore. And here's what can happen if you do that. Romans 6 says, that means we must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly. I love that and full-time into God's way of doing things. Listen, this is telling you, throw yourself into God's way of doing things. Throw yourself into relationship. Around here, you know how you do that? Throw yourself into a group. Let go of your, of your excuses and the reasons why you don't want to be in a group. Let it go. Get into relationship with some people. You need to be in relationship. Get honest with somebody and let them pray with you. And when you're honest, you become a person of integrity and you're whole, look what happens. It says, sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Man, that's where I want to be. That's where I know you want to be too. So here's what you need to do right now. You need to say yes to God and no to the devil. Yes to God's way of doing things and no to the enemy's way of doing things. Because he's got nothing good for you. I promise you that God has 
everything good for you. And, I, and if you open this door of lust to your life because you're looking at something and you want something and you're like, man, I got to have it. You know, the grass is greener. Look, it may be greener over there, but I promise you the water bill is higher. Are you listening to me? Shut the door of the lust of the flesh. Be honest. Be whole. We look at the, do- the, the door of the lust of possessions. The way you shut this door is through generosity. Generosity. Every time you give, you break the grip of materialism off of your life. See, the devil's way is for you to get, 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 but God's way is for you to give. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, he gave. He loved you and me so much that he gave us Jesus. So when you give, you look more like God. That's, that's just the case. So how do we shut this door? Well, we learn generosity. And we learn it in a very specific way. Because it's all right to be generous with what you have. But if you want to deal with this, if you want to, to get God's attention, the way you do this is by prioritizing your generosity. And not just by giving it first, it's where you give it to. That matters to God. It's a big deal to him. In fact, in Genesis 4, there's this perfect story that, that exemplifies this principle. It says, now Abel kept flocks. It's all the way back in the beginning of Genesis. So Abel is a shepherd, and Cain worked the soil. He's a farmer. And in the course of time, we're talking about Cain here. It says, in the course of time, in other words, when he felt like it. Like it wasn't a priority to him. He brought some, uh, some fruits of the soil as an offering to God. And Abel also brought an offering. He brought fat portions from some of the, check it out, firstborn of the flock. It was the first part of it. He said, then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Just sad, things aren't going my way. It's downcast. And God's like, why are you angry, Cain? Why is your face downcast? In other words, you did it. You opened this door in your life. You chose to bring this and not make me a priority in the first place. You did this. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. See, when Cain ignored the priority of the first with God, it opened a door for the enemy to come in in his life. He, and, and God even said to him, sin's waiting at your door. It wants to have you. But you've got to rule over it. You've got to do the right thing. So the best thing to do to shut this door is to be faithful in your giving, to prioritize your giving as well. Make it first. Now listen, if you've been in church and you've identified some pastor that has some kind of side motivation in preaching a message like this or sharing this information, you're like, well, he's just doing it so he can get a bump in his salary. Listen, that's not the case here. I don't want anything from you. All I want is something for you. Truth truth be told, I'm going to just tell you this. If you think I want something from you, you just keep your money. That's fine. I don't care. I'm not concerned about that. Because look, God called me to this, and he's been paying the way for this whole thing to happen since I started this thing, and and before before you ever had an opportunity to give to it. God, God, I don't need something from you. I want something for you. Hear my heart today for you. Hear it. I'm not preaching to keep keep the lights on. I want you free. But I'm going to tell you this truth that's uncomfortable for some of you. If you're not a tither and you don't give faithfully and honor God with first of all of your income, you open the door to the enemy in your life. Look, it's a principle that's in your Bible. It's there. It exists. Tithing, through, through tithing, God is testing your heart. The real principle behind tithing is first. Doing it first. Yes, tithing, tithing literally means tenth. So that's the, God gave us a percentage so all of us could participate. He didn't give it an amount so that, so that everybody would be left out. He said, hey, it, it's 10% of your income, but it's first. It's first and 10. But it's a test to your heart. God gave it all to you in the first place. He just wants you to honor him by giving him back to him first. And what you need to know about this number 10, just so I can prove to you that it's a test, is that the number 10 all throughout the Bible was used in the tests that were done. I'm going to give you guys a quiz real quick. Are you ready? Some of you are like, dear Lord, I'm not ready for a quiz on a Sunday morning. Second service, but here he goes. I'm going to give you a quiz, and I need you to shout out the answer, all right? And the answer I'm going to tell you is 10, okay? It's 10. So just shout out 10. Here's the question. 
How many plagues did God test Egypt with? Ten. Yeah, yeah, it's 10. There you go. Good job. All right. And how many commandments did God give Moses and the Israelites? Ten. Yeah, it's 10. Good job. And how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Yep, 10. And how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. That's right. Yep. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. Yeah. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. Yeah, come on. You've got to join him with me, all right? Don't, don't lose it here. How many days of testing mentioned in the book of Revelation? And how many disciples were there? Yeah, there were 12. No, there were 12, not 10. That was a trick question. There were 12. Yeah, good, good. I heard it right here from somebody. Yeah, it was good, paying attention. <laughs> Felt like you needed to laugh right there a little bit, so it's all good. But seriously, you know, you don't understand that, that when we talk about tithing, you know, there's nowhere else in the Bible that God says, test me in this. Every other step of faith he asks you to, to take, he doesn't say you get to test me. But this one he does. He said, prove me. Test me in this. Check it out. He's serious about this. He gave us everything anyway. Just wants us to return that first portion back to him. In Malachi 3, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's this place. That's God's house, okay? He said, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I promise you that's where you want to be. That you have so much that it's just easy to bless other people. There's so much that people just hanging out with you get blessed. Like, what is that that is on me? It's just something good about you. I'm just blessed being around you. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer. In other words, I'm going to shut the door for the enemy on your behalf. And so he will not do what? Destroy. That's his, that's his job description, right? He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, believe what you want to about tithing. I'm telling you that it works. And that when you get this right, when you honor God first, it brings favor into your life. Because listen here, listen, get this out of your mind. We don't give to get. We give to honor God. That, that's why we do it. And here at Simple Church, you know, whatever, we, whatever comes in every Sunday, we take 10% and we immediately set it aside. Immediately. It's first. And it's set aside so that we can use it to make a difference around the world. We use it first somewhere locally. We, we give to the Heart Food Pantry right here next door to our, to our, our facility. We give to uh, Barefoot Faith, which is an organization that takes meals to, to people who maybe they had somebody sick in the hospital or somebody passed away or going through a difficult time. They take them meals. They pray with them. They love them. And they just plant seeds of God's love. I love that. We support them monthly. We support national organizations that are missionaries around this country and church planting organizations that are planting churches just like this one all over the country. We partner with missionaries all over the world and church planting organizations around the world so that all can hear and know God's love. That's what we do. And we do that with everything that comes in. And I'm telling you, since the beginning of our life as a church, from the very first money that came in, we tithed and gave 10% of that back to God. And I'm going to tell you something. As a church, we have received so much favor. I get so much favor personally, but as a church, we've experienced so much favor. Let me tell you something. It's not every church that when they start, you may not feel excited that we started in a funeral home, but let me tell you something. We started in a funeral home, and we didn't pay a dime to be there. For a year and a half, God blessed us with a facility where we didn't have to pay for rent. We didn't have to pay for utilities. We paid for nothing, very little, so that we could get going. Why? Because Jesus loves his church, and he brought his favor on us because we got this right. And I'm telling you, when you get this right in your life, you'll see God's favor on your life too. It brings his favor. So what do you do? Give God the first of everything. That's what I tell you to do. That's how you close this door. Learn to be generous and give God the first of everything. Doing the first things, giving to God first in everything that we do, not just in our finances, is what gets his attention. That's why we're here on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. That's why when you get up in the morning, one of the first things out of your mouth is, God, I love you today. Thanks for breath in my body. I just want you to know I'm thankful. Honoring him first gets his attention. We can do that in our finances, too. It's the way to go. And all throughout the Bible, God honors those who put him first. It's a test. He just wants to know where he places in your life. And according to Malachi, it shuts the door to the lust of possessions. The third area, the pride of life, the way you battle this one is through humility. Seems pretty obvious, right? It's just the opposite of it. It's through humility. We need to practice this on a regular basis. I heard one pastor say that a man on his face can't fall, fall from that place. If you're laying on the ground, you can't fall any further than that, right? 
And so we just have to think of ourselves less in order to practice humility. In fact, I've heard it said that humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Can you say that again? It isn't thinking less of yourself, thinking, oh, I'm so low, I'm not worthy. That's not humility. It's just thinking about yourself less. It's thinking of others first. It's humility. This is the reason why we pray and fast. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, that's you, who are called by my name, that's Christians, will humble themselves and pray. He says, then, and he gives you a whole list of things that I promise you, you want God to do in your life. He says, if we'll humble ourselves and pray. Why is that humbling ourselves? Because when we pray, we're letting God know how much we need him. We're saying, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I need you in my life. Humble yourself and pray. Fasting does it too. Because when we fast, we deny ourselves something that we want really, really bad. And when you do that, it brings you low. Listen, if you've ever fasted before, you know, like, God, I desperately need you. I need you because I'm hungry, right? (laughs) Fasting will do it to you. It brings you low. That's what happens. There's other ways for us to express humility. I'm going to share this one with you, and it's not really popular because it makes us a little uncomfortable, but another way you can express humility is in your worship. So you're like, what's worship? It's when we express love to God. So you're like, well, I tell God I love him. Yeah, you know, words are cheap. Words are cheap in your relationships with your spouse and your friends. Tell them I love them makes them feel good, but it really fills up their love tank when you express it in action, doesn't it? I'm talking to somebody. Listen. See, you spend lots of time, if you're in a dating relationship or in a marriage relationship, learning what we call the love languages. If you don't know what those are, let me help you. It's quality time. It's touch. Words of affirmation. Help me, I'm blanking on the rest of them. It's not in my notes. Uh, Gifts and acts of service. Thank you. that's, That's five love languages that most of you have. When you love somebody the way that you want to love them, they're like, oh, that's nice. But when you love them the way that they like to be loved, they're like, oh, man, hubba, hubba, baby. That's good stuff right there. And I'm going to tell you, we spend a lot of time figuring that out in our relationships. I'm going to love, the, love you the way you like to be loved. And here's God, and he's presented himself and said, this is the way that I like to be loved. He says, lift your hands in the temple. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people. Sing a new song to the Lord. He's, he's listed all these things for us, and we can see it. He says, this is how I want to be loved, and this is us during song service. Well... I'm not really comfortable with that. It's not really my style to lift my hands and to sing a song. I mean, the words are up there. It's not really hard. It's, it's kind of difficult for me. <laughs> Can I help you with something? It's not about you. God has made it very plain how he wants to be loved. And if you want to humble yourself, maybe you surrender your ego a little bit. Maybe you surrender your wants and decide to love him the way that he said, this is how I like to be loved. Now, don't be mad at me. I didn't write it. It's in the Bible, all right? And don't do it for me either. Do it for God, because I know you're sure going to do it for your football teams here soon. (laughs) Oh, he said, ow, that that just got in my business a little bit. (laughs) Let me prove it to you. O-H. See right there? You'll do it for your football teams. (laughs) <laughs> but God said, just, just, just worship me. Humble yourself. Surrender your egos and what you want. Choose to express your love and your worship to God the way he wants you to. Don't be mad at me. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, all right? And here's what happens if you humble yourself. This is what God says. What he, this is God, opens, no one can shut. This is a door. He said, and what he shuts, no one can open. You want God in your door business, I promised you. you. You want this. You say, well, how do I get it? So God says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. This means that he understands that you've humbled yourself. He knows that there's things you can do on your own, but you've declared to him, God, I can't do it without you. I need you in my life. 
I don't want to do this without you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I need your love. I need your spirit. You've humbled yourself. And he says, yet you've kept my word. You've done things his way. And you haven't denied his name. Look, you want God involved in your door business? Shutting the doors that need to be closed and opening the right ones for you? You want his blessing in your life? You got to fight through that, that pride of life by humbling yourself and praying. In fact, when you do this, it's like the ultimate sign that God, he loves this. John the Baptist even prayed this prayer, or said this about himself when Jesus came on the scene. He said, he said, Jesus must grow, become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's, that's a great prayer. Saying, God, make, let me be less and less. Jesus, be, be greater and greater in my life. Let my wants and my desires, let, let who I am just shrink and let you shine through. That's it. Let me tell you something. What we started at the beginning of this year through 21 days of prayer, we need to continue on. You need to continue to be in prayer. Not just here on the last Sunday of the month, which you're welcome to come to at 6 o'clock, just a little plug for that. But on a regular basis, in your home, when you drive in your car, you're in your shower, throughout your day, you could just talk to God. He's listening. He's there. You just have to believe that in order to do it. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from you. Humble yourself and pray. Invite him into your life. Just a few minutes. And then fast as the Lord leads. You don't have to do a 21-day fast again. We did that at the beginning of the year, but you can, you can fast as God leads. He'll put, something, he'll put his finger on something in your life and say, hey, fast that. And it's not just about food. He'll tell you sometimes to turn off the music or fast on social media. Turn off a show. He did that to me just a few months back. Listen, let me tell you something. My wife and I were watching this show. It's 10 seasons long. About 22 episodes per season at 45 minutes long each episode. Do some math. We were trudging through this, and we just completed season nine. The next day, we were going to dive in on season 10. And the Lord put his finger on that thing in my life. It just seems inconsequential. He said, I don't want you to watch. I said, why, God? I said, is there something bad in it? Is there something bad I shouldn't see? Because I got that stuff too. I got, I got a past, and there's certain things I don't want to watch and certain things I don't want to see. He said, no, I just want to know if you love me more than you love that thing. I said, all right, God, I do. I do. I went to my wife, and I said, babe, I said, I'm not going to be able to watch season 10 with you. She said, why? I said, the Lord told me I can't. It's between me and him. I just want him to know how much I love him. He's my priority. I want to watch that show. So she watched it. She said, you want me to tell you how, tell you how it ends? I said, no. I'm praying God will let me loose of this fast someday, and I'll be able to finish it. You just hush your mouth. Because he still ain't said it's okay to watch it. I'm just waiting. And he may never. And you know what? I'm okay with that. He's got more to give you than any stupid TV show. So fast as the Lord leads. And, and here's what I need you to do. Close this door. The pride of life is develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Just, just get into a habit of doing it. Talking to God and then moving as he moves you. You know, people ask me, as I, as I close this, the last comments I'm going to say. People ask me all the time, they're like, Aaron, I'm struggling. I got this area in my marriage. I'm really, really having difficulty with them. Like, well, you need to invest in your marriage. You need to protect it. Some people, I tell them, you need to go get some counseling. You need to hire a counselor. And they're like, well, I don't know about that. You know, I don't need counseling. Okay. They come to me because they're bound in the area of addiction. They got something that just won't let loose of their life. Whether it's alcohol or drugs, pornography, whatever. And I said, listen, you need to close the doors. You need to remove the access from your life. You need to start confessing to somebody. Well, I don't know. I think I can handle it. I'll be just fine. Besides telling somebody about it, it's uncomfortable. Okay. They talk to me about, about their, their worship. I'm just not free to worship. I just don't have this connection like you do with God, and I want that. Well, had you ever considered, you know, when we do worship, you know, you lift your hands and you sing? Have you, had you ever considered, well, I don't know. I think I'd be embarrassed. Okay. And I, I don't have this, this freedom in my finances. I just can't break through. I've hit a wall. Can't get, get through. Had you considered tithing? It brings God's blessing in your life. Had you ever considered that? Well, I can't really afford to. You know, you're never going to be able to afford it until you do it. That's what breaks the curse. Just, just for you. That's just for you. 
They say, well, I don't know. That's fine. Listen, God's ways are the best ways. And he's outlined them for us clearly. And if you don't want to do things God's way, I'm telling you, you're going to remain in bondage. But I'll also tell you this. As your pastor, I don't want that for you. And I know you don't want that for you either. And God doesn't either. For sure he doesn't. If I don't, he really doesn't want that for you. He wants you free indeed. So decide. I'm going to do it his way. I'm going to close the doors. And I'm going to be free. Let's pray. Father, today I just invite you by your Holy Spirit to just speak to us. Would you just put your finger on that thing in our life? The area where the devil's trying to get into our, into our hearts and our lives, where he's stealing and killing and destroying. Would you just show us? Would you help us to see what it is we need to do and how we need to respond to that? Very practical, very real ways. Help us, God, to close the doors because we know that you have a best life for us and it is a life that is full and fulfilled. And we want that. Help us to have it in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray, listen, if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you need to commit your life to Jesus, you need to surrender control of your life to him, shut the door to yourself and open the door to his love and his grace in your life so that you can have the full and fulfilled life that he promised you. If that's you today, God wants you to have it. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. If you'll open the door, he'll come in. Everything will be made brand new. Your whole life will be changed in an instant. The moment you say yes to Jesus, not worrying about the next steps, we'll help you with those. Not worrying about your past, God doesn't care about that. Jesus has already paid the price for it. If you're ready to receive God's love and say yes to Jesus, I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. You can stay right there in your seat, but I would love for you just to slip your hand up and do it now and say, Aaron, I want to do that. That's me. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. God, it's so amazing. Put your hands down. Thank you. I love this hand back here. It's full surrender. It's all the way up. Almost climbing out of their seat. I loved it. God bless you. Listen, church, we're going to pray. And everybody prays out loud. Let's pray together. Even if you're here and you say, well, I didn't really raise my hand and I'm not sure I believe it. That's okay. You can practice for the day that you do. We believe God's going to do a work in your life. So let's all pray together. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Set me free from my old ways. And show me how to follow you. Thank you, Jesus.